All right. Well, we are winding down this message series that we are calling Super. Uh, the last few weeks we've been talking through Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. And if you're with us for the first time this morning, uh, I just want you to know that uh, where we've been has been all about the gospel. We've been uh, camping out in Romans since last September, and we've been talking all about what Paul has to say about the gospel. He says the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile or a Greek or a Dutchy or a German-Russian, whatever you are, you need to know the power of the gospel in your life. And uh, so as we've been walking through the book of Romans, we've been unpacking what the gospel is all about. And when we've gotten to Romans 7 and Romans 8, we've been finding that the power of the Holy Spirit is the key to living a life that overcomes the power of sin. And so while Jesus brings us salvation and Jesus brings us justification and righteousness and all of these wonderful things, it's learning how to live in the power of the Spirit that is the key to overcoming the power of sin in our lives. And so uh, today I'm really excited to share with you a paragraph from Romans chapter 8, and I'm calling this message Supercharged. Because when we really tap into the power of the Spirit in our lives, you're going to find that it's like you're a supercharged battery that, that just keeps going. Kind of like the Energizer Bunny. You know what I'm talking about? I should have, should have put a video up or something about an Energizer Bunny. I don't know. But we've been, uh, we've been in a little section of Romans chapter 8 that's been kind of cool. Uh, it talks about suffering. And we started this section last week, and we, we talked a little bit about suffering. And, and one of the keys, and today we're going to unpack a little bit more about how, uh, what to know and what we can do when we're suffering. But uh, suffering is just kind of something that is common to all of us. You know what I'm talking about? Big suffering, little suffering, uh, winter time. I suffer with itchy skin. Anybody with me? Itchy skin? Okay. Uh, just a few of us. I, I can see I'm not going to get a lot of compassion uh, from those of you that are regular lotion users, right? I get up in the morning and I'm scratching and scratching. And Chris says, why don't you put some lotion on that? And I, and I say, Chris, I'm a dude. We don't use lotions. I, you know, she buys all that bath and body work stuff that smells like whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> It's kind of funny. Last summer, we were having our, our small group. Uh, Chris and I hosted a, a, a small group for musicians in our home, and, and one Sunday afternoon, we were in small group, and I thought we were really deep into loving God and learning about worshiping God, and all of a sudden, Jess Gower looks over at me. I had shorts and sandals on. She goes, Pastor Russ, why is there no hair on the bottom of your legs? And I said, because I've scratched it all off in the winter, and... Um, I thought that was funny. Okay, I won't, I won't share that story in second service because clearly that was creepy. Okay. TMI. Okay, let's move right along. <laughs> so, uh, so we suffer. The reality is life is hard, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about. And there's all kinds of suffering we uh, we each experience a life that is unique to each of us. Um, one of the things that's happening here, uh, we'll actually be celebrating a little in, in our second gathering today. 
today is uh, the birthday of little Tristan McCann, uh, Des and Cooper's oldest boy, who passed away a couple of years ago from SIDS. And so we're going to be having cupcakes for him to just say happy birthday to Tristan in heaven today. Uh, But those of you that have ever lost a child, uh, you know that that's deep and intense suffering, isn't it? And uh, I, I, I have come to understand that um, the parents that lose a child, they say they never really ever fully recover. It, it's just a suffering that lasts for the rest of your life. Um, some of you have suffered uh, the loss of a marriage, the end of a marriage. Some of you have lost people you deeply love. Some of you are struggling and suffering with sickness or disease. And, and suffering is just a difficult part of this life. Some of you would say, I'm suffering, but it's in a way that nobody can see. I'm, I'm suffering maybe with depression. I'm suffering with emotions that are out of control. Many of us would say that the struggle with sin is something that is a deep, deep suffering that just goes on and on and on, and we just can't seem to break through. And uh, today, as we look to Romans chapter 8, uh, I'm, I'm going to share with you two things today. I'm going to share with you what you need to know if you're suffering today, and I'm going to share with you what you need to do if you're suffering today. So we're just kind of splitting our topic into those two things, and I hope that today you walk away with some real practical knowledge that will encourage you as you walk through times of suffering, seasons of suffering in your life, as well as a strategy for how you can combat suffering. And, uh, and I hope that it's really helpful for you today. It, uh, understanding these truths in my life has been literally transformative. And, and so I'm really excited to share this with you. Uh, so what you need to know and what you need to do when you're suffering. Now, if you're here today and you're not suffering, uh, I don't want you to feel left out. I'll just say to you, if you're not suffering today, don't worry, it'll come, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Josiah. Okay, let's start with what, what do we need to know when we're suffering? What do you need to know when you're suffering? Whatever it is that you're going through, what do you need to know? There's three things, and they're right up here on the screen, right to, to, to begin with, because we're going to unpack each of these today. Uh, the first thing you know, need to know is that the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee to you. And this is what we talked about last week, so I'm not going to go into this a whole lot more today. If you weren't with us last week, I want to encourage you to listen to last week's podcast, because this today is kind of a continuation of what we talked about last week, that when the, when the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit, it was his first fruits. It's like his tithe. It was just the beginning part of giving us every other promise that he's going to fulfill. And the Holy Spirit is literally God's guarantee. Uh, Every promise that God ever gave to us will be fulfilled and we can hang our hat on it because we have the Holy Spirit in in our life. But secondly, and and number two and number three are what we're going to talk about today uh, are these. You need to know that the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. We're going to talk about that today. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. The word intercedes is a really cool word. Uh, It's kind of a technical word. Uh, On one hand, it means praying for, 
but it also means standing in the gap for you. So when we're suffering, there's times when I don't even know how to pray. And, and I, I realize that you all think I'm super spiritual because I'm a pastor. Uh, but the truth is there are some days I just don't know how to pray. And I need to know that the Holy Spirit stands in my place and intercedes for me. He stands in the gap, the gap of I don't know how the heck to pray. And the Holy Spirit intercedes for me. And that, that's a powerful thing to know. We'll, we'll unpack that a little bit today. And then lastly, number three, what you need to know when you're suffering is that God's purpose is being fulfilled in you. God's purpose is absolutely being fulfilled in you. And if you're worried that somehow life is going to get away from you, that this sin that you're struggling with, this addiction you're struggling with, it's just too strong for you, that, that it's absolutely impossible for you to be a better person, uh, I want you to know God's purpose is being completed in you. And I hope that today you'll leave with an understanding that you can count on God working in you to overcome. Any of you ever struggle with just wondering if you can ever make it? Um, let, let me just share with you just a practical story that, that's the absolute truth. Um, Chris and I don't argue very often, but every once in a while it hits us just like every other married couple on the planet. And yesterday, for some odd reason, we had two arguments in one day. Chris is looking at me incredulously. <laughs> yes, I'm telling the story. Sorry, sweetheart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two arguments in one day and and um and by the end of the day i'm feeling like i'm the worst husband on the planet guys have you have you been there you know what i'm saying and i i i went to bed last night just feeling lower than low and i'm like i don't know if i can ever be the husband god wants me to be i'm just not sure I can be who God wants me to be. And Chris is like, why are you sad? And I'm like, because I'm a crappy husband. And I woke up this morning and I started going over my notes. I'm like, you know what? God is going to fulfill his purpose in me. I can count on the power of God to do it in me. And, and God will do it in you too. Okay, so that's, that's where we're at. Okay, you ready to jump in? This is going to be fun. All right, if you've got your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, you may want to follow along in your Bibles, but it's also up on the screen if you just want to watch. Here's what we read, verses 26 and 27. Paul is writing and he says this, likewise, that word is kind of linking us to the part before where he talked about the first fruits of the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. This is a really cool phrase. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now there's three there's three observations I want to make, and then we're going to look at some other uh, verses in, in the New Testament that will unpack this a little bit. But just from these two verses, three observations. The first one I want you to see, these are in your notes, these three things. The Spirit prays on your behalf. The Spirit prays on your behalf. Whether you know what to pray for or not, the Holy Spirit prays for you, which is really cool because the Holy Spirit is God, right? He's the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and wow, that's pretty cool 
to know that the Holy Spirit is actually praying for me. When I don't know how to pray, he prays for me. So that's the first thing. Secondly, the Holy Spirit prays through you. The Holy Spirit prays through you. So not just for you, but he prays through you. I'm going to explain how this works in just a minute. But then thirdly, and this is the part that's just so encouraging to know, the Holy Spirit's prayer is always, 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 always aligned with God's will. The Holy Spirit's prayer is always aligned with God's will. So when the Holy Spirit is praying for you and when he's praying through you, it is always aligned with God's will. So the question that I have when I look at these two verses that are so encouraging, what do I do with this? Uh, this is really cool to know, but uh, what, what do I do with this? Is this just like mental gymnastics and I'm just trying to encourage myself by rehearsing these things in my, in my mind? Or is there something that I can actively participate in here? Well, we really can actively participate in, and this is what I want to share with you today. I, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit prays through us, and there's a truth here that we can latch on to, because what Paul is talking about here is what we call a prayer language, or what the Bible calls speaking in tongues. And I, I want to share some things with you that are going to help you understand why this is so critical and why this is important. We see this happen the first time historically in the Bible in Acts chapter 2. And you don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 2, Jesus told the disciples to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when they were praying in an upper room, Acts chapter 2 tells us that they had this phenomenon. The Holy Spirit came in. There was a sound like a wind. Uh, They saw tongues of fire. It was like they were on fire, but they weren't getting burned up. Nobody had third-degree burns. It wasn't like that. It was something visual that they saw. And each of the people in that room began speaking in a language they had never learned. Uh, The Bible calls it speaking in tongues or speaking in unlearned languages. And, and I believe that here in Romans chapter 8, what we're reading when it says that the Holy Spirit prays with groanings too deep to be uttered, I believe that what Paul is referring to here is this phenomenon of a prayer language that's powerful. It's praying in accordance with the will of God, and it's praying when we don't have English words to pray. And, and it's really cool. So let me show you a couple of, of uh, passages of Scripture that will kind of help us unpack this, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. And I've asked this morning for Linda Dykstra to share her story about her prayer language, not just yet Linda, but um, in just a moment, and, and she'll kind of put a human face on this whole thing. But I want to start in, uh, in John chapter 3. And uh, this is going to come up on the screen in just a moment, but you might even want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, because this is really cool stuff, and you might even, you might even mark this in your Bible as we go through it. Uh, in John chapter 3, there's a story that uh, if you have read the Bible or if you've been in church for any length of time, it's probably familiar to you. It's the story of Jesus talking with Nicodemus. And in this story, uh, Nicodemus is asking Jesus, how can I really know uh, that, that everything is right with my soul? And Jesus tells Nicodemus, do you remember this? He said, you must be born again. And we talk about this all the time, right? You must be born again. And it's one of those catchphrases that Christians use all the time. 
Are you born again or are you just religious? And Jesus is kind of dividing people here into two groups. There's people that are religious. They just go through the motions. And then there's people that have literally been reborn. They've had some sort of transformation in their life. And a lot of times when we're teaching, we stop there with the born again business and we don't keep reading. And I, I want to read a little bit more of that story to you, starting in verse 5. If you have your Bibles open, you can follow along. Uh, Jesus said, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And then he said this really fascinating sentence. And this is up on the screen for you. Jesus said this, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, I want to take this one sentence, and I want to geek out on it just for a little bit, all right? So those of you that are language geeks, you're going to love this. Those of you that hated English in high school, go ahead and go to Facebook on your phone, okay? Because you, you, you might get a little bored. But I, I'm just going to geek out for a minute because this is really cool stuff, Okay? This is a great sentence that Jesus said. Let me just read it one more time. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, the reason this is so cool is because in the Greek language, Jesus is using some wordplay here that in English we don't get because it doesn't translate the same. So let me just show you how this is. In the Greek language... The word wind is the Greek word pneuma. Those of you that work with equipment, you probably recognize that word. That's where we get the, the, the English word pneumatic. So if you've got a pneumatic uh, drill or a pneumatic whatever, it's powered by what? Air, okay? And so the word pneuma can be translated in the Greek language as wind or air or breath but it's also the Greek word for spirit. And so there's a really cool word play here. And so what happens is in this verse, the word wind at the beginning of the verse is the Greek word pneuma, but at the very end of the verse, everyone born of the spirit, it's also the word pneuma, okay? And I'll explain why this is important in just a moment. But also the word blows is the word neo, which is just another form of the same word. It's like when you take a noun and make it a verb, all right? And so uh, it, it would be like the, the, um, the, um, Amer the English word. I'm struggling with the word English for some reason. It, it would be like when we take an English word that's all, that is both a noun and a verb, okay? And so this is what Jesus has done here. And he says, the pneuma pneumas or the pneuma nuo, neo. It, it's the same word. It's almost like Jesus said, the wind winds or the blowing blows or the spirit spirits. It's a play on words here. And, and, it, it, and it's just kind of a, an interesting thing. And then in the next phrase, he says, uh, and you hear its sound. Now, these two words are really important because of what they are in the Greek language as well. The word here is the Greek word akuo. And this is the word that we get acoustics from in English. The word acoustics. 
And the word sound is the word phone in Greek. We get the English word phonetics from that word. And so what Jesus is saying here is when the wind blows or when the spirit whispers, we could translate this any number of ways. When the wind blows, when the spirit whispers, when the spirit speaks, you hear an acoustic sound. You hear a phonetic sound. And Jesus ends this sentence by saying, this is the way it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And what I want you to see here in John chapter 3 is that Jesus chose his words very carefully. And what he was saying is when the spirit whispers, when the spirit speaks, we could connect it to Romans 8 and say when the spirit prays, there's an articulated sound that comes with it. Do you see what I'm pointing out here? This is a powerful thing you need to, you, you need to see. Um, there are some people that will go to Romans chapter 8 and they'll say, well, that's not, that's not talking about speaking in tongues. That's not talking about a prayer language. It's just the, the Holy Spirit just prays off in space somewhere. But according to Jesus, when the Spirit speaks, we can hear him speak. And when you pray in the Spirit, according to Romans chapter 8, the Spirit is praying with a real sound, with an articulated voice, and it's praying in, in perfect harmony with God's will. Now, I don't know about you, but that encourages me because sometimes I'm just out of English words. And that's when I turn to the, to the prayer language that the Holy Spirit prays through me. Now, let me take you to another passage. Um, and, and that's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, this is, kind of a, this is kind of a cool passage too. And if you've never st- studied the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, what we find is that um, is the whole book of 1 Corinthians is a letter from the Apostle Paul, who also wrote Romans. But it's so different from Romans because Romans is writing to a bunch of people living in Rome who need to know about the gospel. So he's teaching, he's encouraging, it's all really, really positive. The, the book of 1 Corinthians is written to a bunch of Christians in the city of Corinth who are really messed up, really, really messed up. And so the book of 1 Corinthians is largely corrective. And so Paul is writing to them and, and he's saying, I've heard that you're doing this, knock it off, okay? And he's like, um, when, you, when you come and you take the Lord's Supper, um, everybody comes, it's like kind of like Connect Church potlucks, you know? Um, he says... That's, that's how the Lord's Supper was in the first century. It was a big, uh, big potluck dinner kind of like. And, and, and Paul was saying, when you have these, these, these Lord's Supper meals, people are coming and the people that get there first eat all the food, they drink all the wine, they get drunk, and then people come later and there's nothing left. And, and he's like, you got to knock it off. It's just inappropriate. And it's like, if you read 1 Corinthians, it's just knock it off, knock it off, knock it off. You know, and that's kind of the tenor of the book. And we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and Paul starts talking about speaking in tongues. And what was happening in the Corinthian church is there were a bunch of people that were coming to church, and they were just doing nothing but speaking in tongues. They just thought it was so spiritual, and so they were just going off in tongues. And Paul is saying, do you know what happens when visitors come to your church? Do you know what happens when when visitors come and they just hear you babbling in languages and everybody's in some kind of weird spiritual trance? 
and, and, and he's like, knock it off, okay? And, and so 1 Corinthians 14 is a, is a chapter that is corrective, but he's not telling us not to speak in tongues. In fact, it's interesting, if you read it really carefully, what he's saying is he, he would like the Corinthians to de-emphasize speaking in tongues publicly but he would like them to speak in tongues privately more. And, and so he's just bringing correction. So he's not saying tongues isn't important. He's saying it's really important. You've just got it kind of haywire. And so what I did this week is I, I, took, um, I took just the, the positive sentence, uh, sentences out of 1 Corinthians 14, and I want you to see these. They're, they're up on the screen. Here's what Paul says. If you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit. That's cool, but it will all be mysterious. Then he says this. I I love this. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Do you want to be strengthened? You, You need a prayer language. You need to pray in this prayer language. It strengthens you. Then he says this. I wish you could all speak in tongues. See, Paul wasn't forbidding it. He wasn't saying it wasn't for today. He wasn't saying it's only for a few people. He's saying, I want you all to speak in tongues. And he says, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. That's not a negative thing because in Romans 8, he says, the Holy Spirit is praying in perfect harmony with the will of God. So then he goes on. He says, what will I do? I'll pray in the spirit. And I'll pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit. And I will sing in words I understand. And I thank God that I speak in tongues. This sounds kind of braggadocious. But but he says, "I, I speak in tongues more than you all. And it's not because he's bragging. He's saying, I want you to have more. You need more. You need more. You need more. And then he says, this is the very end of the chapter. So brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. And don't forbid speaking in tongues. You need more and more and more. Does this make sense? And so in Romans chapter 8, I want you to know, when we don't have English words to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray through you. And if you've never received a prayer language before, uh, we've got a prayer team this afternoon that is fired up and ready to pray with you and and help you receive that prayer language that that God would like to give you. Um, Linda, would you come on up and and share a little bit. You've told your story before of how you received your prayer language, and I just think it's such a powerful story. This was what, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? It was a long time ago. I was 28, now I'm 62. All right. You're very brave to share that with us. Uh, Now, when when you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I understand you and Stan were kind of going through a rough patch. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. We were um, married uh, eight or nine years, maybe eight years, and we already had five children. So we had five children in six years. Okay. And so what made you start seeking more of the Holy Spirit in your life? Uh, number one, I was a very angry, frustrated young woman, and it bothered me. It sincerely bothered me because I was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so then why couldn't I manage this anger and rage that was inside of me? And it was affecting my entire family, my Mm -hmm. little ones and Stan. And so 
That's where I was. I remember uh, talking to our pastor about it at the time. And uh, he actually then gave me a book about dying to self. So that's kind of where it started. Okay. Was um, learning to die to self and my own desires. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you then, you read a book, if I remember correctly. Yes. On on the Holy Spirit. And so what happened, um, I was also very much of an insomniac. (laughs) Uh And so there were many a night that I would just be up the entire night. And so someone for a wedding gift had given us this book uh, by Pat Boone. It was called A New Song. Probably most of you only know Pat Boone because of commercials right now. Right. Uh, But so this book uh, told about how um, being filled with the Holy Spirit changed their entire life and their families. Yeah. And so I spent, I read that entire book one night. In fact, I was looking for something to read because, again, it was another night that I was awake all night. And I... I dug through this box and found this book in the bottom of the box. So it had been in there like probably eight years or something like that, never been touched. And so I read the entire book and, you know, prayed about it that night. Nothing happened. And so I kind of came to the conclusion in my own heart, well, speaking in tongues was just a crutch. And it really wasn't anything that I needed or that would help me. Mm-hmm. So then a few days later, I was loading the dishwasher, and this had never happened to me before, and I really felt this urge to go to the bedroom and pray, and it's Mm. like, what? You know, and I ignored it, but then it came to me the third time, and so um, I was thinking about this story. I went to the bedroom and prayed. We had a waterbed (laughs) back then. (laughs) So I knelt which I really never had done before, knelt by the bed and started to pray. And the Holy Spirit came upon me in a powerful way. And I began to speak in tongues and laugh. And the joy of the Holy Spirit just... Did you know what it was? uh, Just from that book. Just from that book. Yeah. And so from that moment on, my life just started to change. And I didn't tell Stan because... You know, we'd already talked about this, and this was a crutch, and, and this isn't where we were going to go with our lives. And three days later, Stan said to me, what has happened to you? You are so different. And so um, then I told him about the book. And from there on, our lives changed tremendously. And I know that as a woman of prayer, I know that this is something you're really passionate about other people yes. experiencing as well. Yeah. Because this was a breakthrough in your life. It was a huge, huge breakthrough. All right. Anger no longer controlled me, but the Lord did. And anybody that knows you now knows that you're not an angry woman. No, not a bit. No. Yeah. That's the power of the Spirit, friends. Would you, would you give Linda a hand? Thank you so much for sharing, Linda. I'm looking at the time, and we got a really buzz to get through the rest of this. Uh but if, if you feel today, if there's like something drawing you and you're saying, I need that breakthrough in my life, please don't ignore that, that impulse. If you need a breakthrough spiritually, um, we would love to pray with you. This afternoon's a great time for you to pray. If it doesn't work for you, we'll arrange another time. We've got lots of people here at Connect that would love to pray for you for that breakthrough. Uh, let's go back to Romans chapter 8. Here's what we read in verses 28 through 30. And I, 
I kind of feel bad that we have to hurry through this, but um, let's read carefully. Paul goes on to say, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. How many of you memorized that verse at some point in your life? Okay, lots of us have. It's great encouragement, isn't it? How many of you have memorized the next verse? Okay, the next verse is the key, okay? Because all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The next verse tells us what his purpose is. It says this, for those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. If you're taking notes, here's two things I want you to know. First of all, God's purpose for you is to be conformed to the image of his son. I can't say that enough. God's purpose for you is to be conformed to the image of his son. And so if you're suffering and you have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, God, take my suffering away, and he hasn't taken away your suffering It might be because the suffering is God's tool to make you more like Jesus. Do you know that even Jesus prayed that God would take his suffering away? He prayed so hard that he sweated drops of blood. Have you prayed that hard yet? And God didn't take Jesus' suffering away. He sent him to the cross. And so if you're suffering today and you've done everything you know, how to pray, how to manipulate God, you've been trying different formulas of prayer, you've been reading prayers, you've been memorizing prayers, you've been beating, you know what I'm saying, and God's not taking your suffering away, the purpose of your suffering is to make you more like Jesus. Now, I hope that encourages you. It doesn't make you happy, probably, but you need to know God has a purpose, in your life. And, and the next part of it, that, that business of he foreknew you and he predestined and, and he called you and he justified you, all that kind of stuff, what that means is that it's going to happen. God's going to make you into Jesus and you can know it's going to happen because he knew ahead of time. He knew you ahead of time. And then he predestined you to become like Jesus. In other words, it, it's almost like fate. It's not the same thing, but it's like he just decided you're going to be like Jesus. Stan, you're going to be like Jesus. Colt, you're going to be like Jesus. God decided it. And so when we struggle and we suffer and we don't know if it's ever going to happen, remind yourselves of these things that God decided I'm going to be like Jesus. How do I know he decided that for me? Well, the the part of it that says he called you and he justified you, if you've come to Jesus, that's evidence enough that God has, it's going to happen, all right? I could talk and talk and talk, but uh, I, I want to wrap this up. Let's, let's end with this. What do you need to do when you're suffering? What do you need to do when you're suffering? Scott, you and the band can come on up. First thing is this. Keep trusting in God's promises. God has given you his Holy Spirit. If, if you've said yes to Jesus, I talked about this at length last week. If you've said yes to Jesus, he has given you his Holy Spirit. And it's his down payment for everything else he's ever going to give you. So keep trusting and don't waver in your trust. And then secondly, pray in the Spirit. This is something you can choose to do. 
Pray in the Spirit. If God has given you a prayer language, you need to use it. You need to pray in your prayer language all the time because it strengthens you. It prays the will of God over you. It transforms you. Linda was an angry woman. Now she's one of the most peaceful, joyful women I've ever known in my whole life. It's the work of the Spirit in her life, and it can happen for you as well. Here's what Ephesians 6 says. This is Paul, again, the same author of Romans. Pray in the Spirit once in a while. It's not what it says. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent. If you're suffering, pray in the Spirit. And then thirdly, don't give up. Persevere in developing Christ-like character because that's what he's doing in you. You've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And you have a job to do. Um, Yesterday I felt like a pretty crappy husband. And so today I'm going to do better. I'm going to be full of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to love my wife more effectively. Men, how many of you are with me? All right. We're going to do better. We're going to persevere. We're going to be more like Jesus. I didn't get 100% of the men's hands. I'm just, I just want you to know. I, I saw you if you didn't raise your hand. Okay. Put your things aside and stand. Let's sing together. Would you bow your heads all over this room and uh, nobody looking around for just a moment. If you're here today and uh, you're realizing that you need Jesus in your life and you need forgiveness and you need hope and you need transformation, all of that stuff, it starts with just coming to Jesus and saying, I've blown it, I've sinned, I've strayed away and I need your forgiveness. And I would love to pray with you. Just before we close today, I'd love to pray with you to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand real high where you're at and... uh, I just want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. A couple of people over here. A bunch of people over here. Thank you so much. Love to pray with you. Anybody else? Wave at me if I don't see you a little bit. All right. Would you just pray this along with me? Everybody in the room, would you pray this? And if you raise your hand, pray this from the deepest place in your heart. Just repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you come into my life? Forgive my sin. Wash me clean. Transform me from the inside out. Jesus, I want to walk away from the life of sin and I want to follow wholeheartedly the path you're walking. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I just want to pray for every person in this room, those of us that are just beginning a walk with Jesus and those of us that have been walking with you for a long time. And I want to pray too, Lord, for those of us that are here today that are still just kind of trying to figure it all out and we haven't even really made a decision if we're walking with Jesus. I just want to pray for every person in this room. Jesus, will you give us a supernatural encounter with your spirit that will rock our world? Jesus, you said, you said that the wind blows where it wants to and that we can be born of the spirit. 
Jesus, bring that spirit to us. Bring transformation, victory over sin. We want to be more than conquerors through you who loved us so deeply. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.